Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Masters of the Air Part 4 is over, but we're just getting started talking about it here on Post Show Recap. My name is Ariel, and I am joined by my co-host, who's always good for a little hair of the dog. It's Rich. What's up, Rich? What is going on, Ariel? I am here with my hairy dog. I am ready. I'm curious if people know us for podcasting naked. It gets, like, so hot in the studio, we could fry eggs on the (laughs) audio panel. I just wonder if that's, like, a known quantity about what we're doing here. I think it's a it's an underreported perhaps part of the, part of the gig, but uh, a delicious one. You know, you have to. There's a lot of laundry involved, but uh, you know, I don't people... remember delicious nakedness from Seinfeld, but I feel like there's an episode there. Um, I'm sorry for anybody wondering about this hard left turn. I just I I couldn't avoid it at the top, mm-hmm. Ariel. The like, oh, you know us for flying in our skivvies. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, <laughs> it stayed with me. That's how it goes sometimes, you know, you just and just like just like uh, Buck himself, people will have no idea what you're talking about. Exactly. No, I didn't know about the underwear. I just heard that you guys are good pilots. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to awkwardly dance and tiptoe around the comment that you just made and hope that we can all move on collectively. Um, And, you know, having said that, I. That isn't really far off from how I feel about this episode, frankly. Like, I, you know, obviously we'll get into the details, but I was kind of, while I was watching and I was left a little confused by some of the choices and definitely feel, I think it's safe to say, at least for me, uh, the weakest episode so far of, of the season. How did you, how did you feel about it? 
Yeah, I think that's a fair take, right? I mean, I'm still digging Masters of Air. I felt really like swept up as the credits played this week. Um, like the music is starting to pull me in. But I did feel a little bit like it was rote. Like I felt like these first three episodes have had some really clear stories within each of them. I think just go- and going back and talking about Band of Brothers in the Pacific, mm-hmm. part of why Band in particular just resonates as powerfully as it does is how excellently each episode is its own contained story yes. and is really like telling a, a story about a greater story it's it's part of a greater whole and so i just i guess i feel that sentiment like it felt like part of a bigger story this week but it didn't feel that strong as like an independent hour of television um it felt like a little bit rote a little bit like what we have seen already i guess yeah i think that's fair i think it's it's you know, to that exact point, it didn't feel like there was anything um, quite special about the episode. There are a couple of, for sure, emotional moments that I uh, honed in on that I kind of, you know, unbeknownst to me by the end of the episode was like desperately grasping like, yes, this is the stuff and there's not that much of it. And I it felt like we needed it more than ever in this episode. But there was also a way in which I don't know. And maybe this is over. This is maybe a generous read or a way in which I'm trying to um, rationalize something that just for whatever reason, just didn't really resonate all that much with with either of us. It sounds like it almost felt like they had to rush a part of it. Like maybe there was another episode and then they got rid of it and they there was like a collapsing of the plot linearly, like or, or rather chronologically that really stuck out to me. And I don't know if it's just, you know, they did a time jump and they've done other more vague time jumps in the previous episodes that we're not uh, paying attention to. And to that point, I think there's a little bit of, and we've already addressed this a little bit of like confusion and, and lack of grounding in some of the facts slash some of the time uh, moving through the, you know, moving through their time. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm anxious to continue to watch and see if, if maybe this if that theory for it's probably ridiculous but if there was something like that maybe it'll make more sense after the fact but um yeah i don't know i feel your sentiment though you know i mean we talked a bit in the previous episodes about how we're really missing some just more context information how some title cards could be really powerful to just root us in like the specificity of the missions the timelines the time jumps to your point um i feel you there i mean that's clearly just talking about the last couple of weeks talking through the last couple of weeks with you i get really into the granular elements of what's going on here i like to really understand the missions and what's at stake and the goal and the risks involved right and i feel like i lost a little bit of that this time the general sentiment of uh the overwhelming kind of feeling of these guys having to fly that sense of like how kind of comfortable they are with what they're doing but how jarring it is every time how every time they're going to get in these planes you just can't promise that you're ever going to touch the ground again right Mm -hmm. that all like conveyed itself i think well through this hour but um i would have appreciated some more context right just to help clarify some of these confusing decisions that you're talking about right and i think that we're also suffering a little bit from the same thing i think we've been talking about since the start with masters of air and something the pacific struggled with a little bit more this this um more kind of 
spread out this less consolidated cast is mm -hmm. harder to track it yes. is harder to be like emotionally rooted into the individual characters like i think we meet somebody really important this week in rosenthal but like we don't know he's important yet and so like his introduction is not that impactful to me as a viewer i only understand that he's going to become important because of all the history i've been reading around the bloody hundredth aerial yeah. so i think some of that is like missing for sure um mm -hmm. And just to like the meta conversation of it, I don't know how much you're tracking, like the feedback, the critiques in the press aerial. I've mm -hmm. seen a lot of like back and forth about the CGI and the acting. Yeah. I've I've heard just like the people on the street, my Jeff Probst experience. <laughs> I, I meet people sometimes i'm out on the street it's true i'm actually never out on the street but i'm considering <laughs> the street the internet probably it's similar like, to jeff himself <laughs> yeah, exactly i'm even more of a shut-in than jeff probst um I, i've had a couple of people reach out to me online like I don't know about Austin Butler, man. Like, I know you're sold on him, but like, it feels so over the top and so kind of hammy. And I've seen a lot of critiques mm -hmm. about the CGI and that yeah. it just does not feel as granular and as kind of tactile as Band of mm -hmm. Brothers does. Um, and yeah. I think it's a fascinating point of conversation where we're 20 years out technologically. Like, by all rights, Ariel, it should look better. It, it should, should be like better, unimpeachable. Yeah. But it's yeah. interesting that in this modern age, we're we're kind of more critical of the CGI, you know? Yeah, and there's a way in which, and yes, obviously budget is an issue, you know, like there's there's a limited budget and there's lots of, and perhaps that has something to do with some of the questionable choices that we'll get to once we get into the plot of like just a lot of things happening off camera this episode. And you're like, what? We didn't get to see any of that? Um, so, you know, it could be budgetary. Some There's a limit to how much, you know, VFX money goes into each independent episode. There's a way in which probably they're building towards some amazing uh, things towards the end, like they do in like a Game of Thrones, for instance, and they have to like save some of the money for that kind of stuff. Like, unfortunately, those are just realities for making TV in this current landscape. But to your point, I agree. It's like, and it's not even that, that like meme esque thing of like this is supposed to be the future i thought it was going to look better it's just like we have all seen so many different versions of this looking better and we know what like absolute crap looks like when they're when any movie or show is trying to sell us crap this is very much polished but it just doesn't it just there's an artificial quality to it that Again, to your point, I think doesn't match what we are used to feeling with these properties, with these specific stories that are real life. And we want to feel like you keep saying this granular stuff, the the grounded. It's interesting to use the word grounded in a show about like pilots, but like <laughs> the grounded nature of of what you're seeing. And if it just kind of looks fantastical, like you know the, there are parts of lord of the rings that look way better than this and that was oh, made in like sure. the early 2000s for sure i mean i think part of it is just the the literal like tactile physical props the amount of stuff they had to work with it's a really different time like just in some of my kind of homework around the show the last couple of weeks i've been reading that like they've rebuilt two full b-17s with like interior wall panelings to like hide the crew and deal with all the shots but there's just the but the sheer nature of the story they're telling and dealing with this air bomber group and getting in with these b-17s like 
this kind of stuff's not around in the world anymore and the cost is wildly prohibitive right they talked about spending of almost a full year in pre-production just building these planes aerial that they built like two full ones and that's a lot and i think that um you know again like the day night element there's so much of them out in broad daylight with these blue skies and big clouds and there is suicide rich it's suicide it really is man it's so wild when you see it again and again but i mean it's just um it's hard to hide the imperfections in that and i think that it's something really powerful that can get overlooked is like the color grading of band of brothers right yeah that like sepia saturated washed out not saturated but that like washed out color tone i think does so much for us just as in terms of film language mm-hmm. to transport us back to an older time to for those sure. grainier world War two like footage actual films from the ground you know um so i think we lose a little bit of that of the polish you know the presentation of like a 2023 product it's got to like shine a little bit better at the top of the shelf and and we lose some of like what makes these things so powerful and tactile i think yeah, I agree. I it there's almost you know to the I think the the point about um you know the the color grading is 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 a fascinating one to me because that's something with this show of like it just looks too while on the one hand I'm sitting here talking out of the uh, like one side of my mouth like oh it looks kind of like not real but on the other hand it also looks simultaneously like too clean and too polish in a way yep. and that's just not and the color point like it's too blue sometimes and too this and I'm just it looks like, too modern right i mean that's you, what like extreme and that's something that you modern. feel even if you don't have yeah. the language to to talk about it that's just something that you as a viewer feel or not feel in this in this case at times and it's it's unfortunate because it is a little bit distracting and it distances you, which they would want the opposite. It distances you a little bit from feeling all the feelings that you want to feel. Yeah. I don't want to like flagellate the episode too hard, you know, I just find it really. No, let's keep going. <laughs> I know. I find it really fascinating. You know, I knew as you as somebody that talks so much about movies, like we're mm-hmm. an entertainment culture. This is the thing I get into a lot with my family that like, yeah. it's easy to overlook, but as we're in the 21st century here, like uh, so much of our life, especially in Western culture is dominated by like taking in this media, whatever it is, whether it's books, it's film, it's, it's television. And the language of film is one that like so many, of us are um uh, illiterate in we have not like learned how Mm -hmm. to articulate what we're seeing or what we're feeling Mm -hmm. but we understand it so implicitly like Mm -hmm. as a culture we've been raised kind of on these black screens and and ultimately there's a way that like there's there is a language there that we really understand even if we don't understand it and and i think like interrogating that and like what feels wrong about this why is this like not as transportive as something that was made 20 some years ago right and and ultimately trying to achieve a very similar effect like how does that miss when the tools are so much more powerful it's really interesting to me to break down you know yeah absolutely and um I guess it's time, you know, we can get into some some plot stuff now. Um, it, oh, God, I'm, I'm not even really sure where to start. But I think as far as episode structure, I think the the biggest the biggest questions that I have, I'll save. And we should start maybe on the simpler mm-hmm. side of things with Quinn's storyline, because that's something that we kind of 
that is teased at the very it's one of the cliffhangers of last episode and we you know we talked about the the goblin question and then quinn gets like his own kind of goblin question of like all right are you gonna give are you gonna you know are you trying to escape and sneak into back into england or are you gonna you know uh surrender and try to survive the war being a prisoner blah 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 and we talked about it. I was like, wait, I feel like this is a trick question. And it seemed like it was, in fact, a trick question. I'm not crazy. And now there's this whole operation spy get Quinn and these other random people into the back into England, although they have to do it, you know, systematically and have first have to, I believe it was France and then to to England. Um but there's a whole network of people. This was like genuinely fascinating to me. You know what it really hit me with? We recently watched uh, All the Light You Cannot See on our Travelers yes. podcast, right? Mm -hmm. And it was very much about like uh, the French resistance during the, the German occupation in World War II. It was like a huge kind of theme. And it pulled me into that. I mean, again, this is such an element that's so easy to overlook when we're talking about the Air Force. But so many of these guys got shot down. Um, and the ones that were not captured as prisoners of war immediately did have these really harrowing experiences of trying to make their way back to their allies, to their forces from behind enemy lines. And you would have to utilize whatever you could find. Uh, the resistance, the local resistance being like a critical element of that, you know, it was a huge part of Band of Brothers in a smaller way. I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth now. Right. But when they get to <laughs> Holland, right? And they're yes, dealing with like yes. a lot of like the Holland resistance guys and like... Right. I mean, there was such um, there was a huge number of people here in this territory in Europe that are being conquered by German expansion. Right. And when we keep like in my like reflections on, again, this idea of like the European theater versus the Asian theater, the Pacific theater, like. This is a huge distinction that we have a common language, right? That uh -huh. you can speak English to like the French neighbors, that there is this ability to communicate, you know? Um, so I found it really compelling. This was some of, I think, the most compelling stuff in the episode, which yes, is maybe a little ironic because I don't find the character very interesting at all, Ariel. Like, I don't really care about yeah. the guy. I care about mm. the circumstances that they find themselves in. It is really fascinating to me uh, in yes. terms of the story to track. Back, right yeah i don't i don't disagree with that because i think ultimately the most interesting thing about him is isn't really inside of him it's this thing that happened with babyface right and like that yeah. is this thing that he's carrying which is emotionally affecting and i think grounds us in his reality but again that's kind of like an exterior thing that's not really a th even though obviously his feelings are very very interior that he's like trying to keep in so deeply even though the other guy keeps asking him about babyface um I I think that's telling. Yeah, like I don't really know anything about him besides the fact that he left Babyface on the plane or frankly want to know that much more about him. I mean that like respectfully, but <laughs> and I'm still compelled by this by the storyline. And similarly to that point, I'm super interested in like what's going to happen to them because I think you're right. Like there's a world in which we don't get any of this story at all. Like I kept, I remember, especially early on in, in these first few episodes thinking, Oh God, like all these people just land and who the F knows where, and then you have to do what to get back right. to wherever. And I do think it's really interesting and cool to now be getting like a storyline with a character kind of, you know, again, with all these shows, it has to happen. Like one character has to, 
stand in for like the many, many people who went through this, but I think it's, um, it's definitely interesting. I love a train. I love a train caper. They have to get on a train and no, but that's not before they have to take an American test. Would you have known all the answers to these questions? Oh, bro. They start talking about Babe Ruth and I'm like, I'm so done. Maybe like a (laughs) 1940s version of me might've been more engaged in baseball, like in a world where like, you know, comic books and cartoons are not available to me, Ariel. Mm -hmm. I might be like a baseball nerd possibly, but like, oh my God. Small players as like D and D classes and racing. Yeah, maybe I could have done the Goblin Riddle. I think I would have had a better shot with that. Than uh-huh. What team did Babe Ruth play for? You know, some of these questions. I, I I love it. I love the American Test. I love the intensity of like what's at stake. It really mm-hmm. does reframe for these Americans a little bit. You know, part of what we talked about is how these guys are heroes, but they're not walking around thinking that they're heroes. They're just right. a bunch of dumb kids who have like gotten involved in this giant worldwide conflict but the reality is that the europeans these actual like resistance fighters they get what's going on with a with a depth of understanding that you can only have once it's run over your life right, right. and your home is part of occupied territory and all this stuff so the fact that they go so hard that the americans are like so relieved but still layered with everything you're talking about which is the lack of knowledge about what happened ariel yeah. like while he's sitting there struggling about baby face fundamentally he doesn't know what happened to like any of the rest of the battalion the other planes you have no idea whether it was like a successful mission or not and now to be rooted in in this absolute pressure cooker of like forget the goblin riddle do not give the wrong answer here you know yeah. I mean, this guy like he is not a goblin but he will kill you but he will he will take you to hell real quick <laughs> yeah and so it's just intense because you feel it right you feel the weight of that and that's yeah. what pulled me a little bit back to like all the light we cannot see which is a really mm-hmm. interesting story about like occupation and the way these kind of revolutionary fighters these freedom mm-hmm. fighters have to manage every decision that they make right no, absolutely. Um, I yeah, I'd forgotten about that actually. I I I love uh, yeah, I love a. I guess I love a violent set piece. <laughs> like, yeah, me too. Just being destroyed in like a farmhouse. Oh no, the tension Animal. was like just so good, right? As the no. three of them are out in the field of like, hey, Bob, you got a light? Like, oh my god, you just feel it ratcheting up, Harry. I rewatched intense. it and I turned my head away in that at that point because I was doing something in my kitchen and I was like bracing myself for the sound of the gunshot and i was like oh god this guy because they're so sure but we're not sure we're not sure that this guy he clearly failed the american test like in some way i think um i've seen inglorious bastards too many times because i was wondering was it like the finger thing what did he do was it something with the lighter like he did something he wrote the date like the European way, because they told them to write the date on the top. I didn't, I wasn't looking to see, but like, that's one thing I thought of. Like, I definitely had that exact same thought of like, write the date at the top of the paper. I'm like, oh, you're done, so yeah. you're done, so Bob. They got yeah, you, man. Done, son. <laughs> Crazy. But yeah, this is, it's such a wild, and like his last words before they shoot him in the face. Or is no like he's it, this isn't someone who and, and you know like you could certainly make the argument that that's what a spy would say right like no don't shoot me so like there's nothing innocent about saying don't shoot me but till the bitter end you're just completely unsure and the other two are like 
of course, now even more on edge than they already were because they were like, okay, cool. Three of us Americans going in this. Oh, now there are two of us and we could fail at any point to impress these people. It's crazy. It was, I, it was, yeah. and then to, for them to show like the body with like the, the shot off fingers that he tried to hold off towards the gun was wild. Yeah, they really went for it. We can talk about the special effects of the planes, but that was visceral. Um, this was great. Yeah. It was. It was really hard. I, You know, j just the stress of that moment and, like, again, I, the juxtaposition of, like, these Americans is, like, kind of young, naive kids, right? Um, and the reality, the one kid's like, I talked to him for an hour. It's like, okay, dude, so you talked to him for an hour, right? Like, you don't know who this guy is. Shades, I mean, it pulls you right back to Band of Brothers and Liebgott. Like, stop stopping on the road to talk to the kid from Washington. What do yeah, you mean? You're from yeah. Eugene, right? And like yeah, Oregon, my parents yeah. brought me back to the motherland. This notion of spies and what espionage is about. I think like in the modern age, we have such a different vision of what that is of intelligence and spies and espionage. And, right. you know, we're, we're thinking of like bond and, and all of this kind of stuff, the element of like, you know was uh, were they right ariel like yeah. we i don't know they seem pretty confident they're but there is confident. also that dynamic that like they have to seem pretty confident right like even if they're not sure they have to seem sure yeah, both for the american soldiers with them to like present outwardly but internally that weight of conviction right it, it felt to me like very similar to the choice to leave baby face in the turret, right? Yeah. Like ultimately there comes this choice of like, what's the priority here? Compassion, yeah. morality, my ethics, my like beliefs or my life, my yeah. survival. Like, will I walk away from this alive? And if there's even a question of a risk, you got to shoot Bob in the head. Right. Um, and I keep saying Bob, I don't know if that's correct. It might have been Bill. It's just so good that like now it will be Bob because, <laughs> and we've talked about this before, unfortunately, sometimes they'll say a name and i'm like what who who is that like i'm sorry i'm keeping track of buck and bucky and uh you know lemons and quinn now and well rap babyface and all these people crosby and then there are some names where i'm like wait are you telling me that this is somebody that i'm supposed to know just by the name because i'm sorry it's not happening. I, I want it. I want it so badly. I want nothing more than to connect to these people all as individuals. But in some of these cases, it's just not, it's not quite a hundred. So I feel you. Uh, it's tricky with the names. One name we don't need to remember anymore is Biddick. I mean, we should remember him, but uh, God, we have, like, our confirmation. We do. Right. Here. We do get the confirmation. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to the, well, the, let, let's put a pin in that for one second uh, and just get to my favorite, the train caper. Yes. Um, and the, I cannot believe that after everything that Quinn went through, that like <laughs> a moment where they ask him for his ticket and then the per his his uh his hall monitor his escort <laughs> has now come back from wherever she i think she was in the bathroom so like now the pressure has completely gone down a little bit because you have someone who speaks the language and now you decide to run like it's just so crazy and obviously this is like you know ptsd and he's not thinking clearly and he's just like run 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 like his body is like fight or flight literally and he's choosing to flight in a way you know to the pilot pun uh but 
it's and then this is when the other agent reveals herself that like she was she expected some kind of nonsense like this so she's like on the periphery in case it's like go back go back and give your ticket and don't you dare do this shit again i'll kill you it's it's a wild sequence and thankfully they get away with it because she the other uh i think her name is minon i'm I'm probably getting it wrong it's something like that is now distracting the the conductor by victimizing a poor ginger man who may or may not even (laughs) stealing someone's suitcase go over there get away from us it's crazy scene it's a great scene i love like the panic of it i love like just how light it is again like there's not like a ton of humor to play with here they're like wait are we going now she's like no i have to go take a pee pee it's just so funny to me man it like cracked me up and him like absolutely like losing it and, like dude uh-huh. you've made it past like so much hard stuff right uh-huh. you're just gonna like freak out it's one of these things of like it really is just about your confidence and like measuring your ability and i think that it's interesting when you measure it against like do you have a light and and that the weight of that the reality of like they just watch somebody get killed like all of that kind of like hanging on them but like you have to stay calm cool and collective ariel you can't like you you just can't lose it you have to remain composed and the fact that he gets as frazzled as he does like you can empathize with it but there is that like horror movie element of like that's the point where i'm yelling at the tv yeah like you idiot what are you doing don't go in there idiot monster is uh yeah no but and it all makes sense of course and the stakes have never been higher and in some ways but like you have to latch on to the this is our only way of getting home like there is no ostensibly there is no other way you know south of staying in prison for who knows how long and dealing with whatever the germ however the germans are going to treat you this is really your only shot so you better you know I don't know. Ethan Hunt probably would have karate chopped him in the neck. Like, yeah, wow. dude. And then like, he would have. Okay, we're going to keep him, but we're, we have to knock him out for his own sake. Stolen a Nazi motorcycle and jumped it <laughs> off the mountain, jumped it off the eagle's nest. Valkyrie. Oh, my um, God. Get Ethan Hunt in World War II. I, I would watch that movie. Eric. Wow. Time <laughs> traveling, Ethan Hunt. So many impossible missions to do. I don't even care about the explanation, frankly, of like how the time traveling, they just. Just tell me they invented time travel and the rest is, I guess, history. Literally. I saw that last one. I know we don't call it. What, what was the last one? It's what part one. I know we can't call it part one. Uh, part anymore, one fell like, off. Thankfully. Yeah, it was basically but, the enemy uh, was ChatGPT, right? I mean, like, we're there. We could start I, having, like, AI Mission God, Impossible. It was so disappointing. You know? uh, Dead Reckoning. Dead yeah, Reckoning yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was yeah. called. The, the next one will probably be called Endgame because it's the last Yeah, one. for real. On uh, your left, <laughs> Ethan. On your left. <laughs> Stop. Oh, my God. I'm going to cry. <laughs> um, and I think... I think that's that's it for Quinn. Like he gets a very stern talking to from his what I'll call flatmate because they're in Europe from his, you know, American uh, compatriot now who's on the run with him. He's like, dude, if you do that again, I'm going to like I'm really going to mess you up. Like now you're putting my life in danger. 
Um, and I think that's the, I think that's what all we get from them this episode. That pretty much is. I mean, we talked about this element in terms of the Pacific versus Band of Brothers, the incorporation of the relationships, right? And mm-hmm. we especially get it with Leckie during his time in Australia. He has that like um, whole kind of love affair. So we're like playing with the romantic angle here, right? Uh, with Quinn. And like, it's just not working for me. I'm somebody who's like such a romantic sap Ariel and like here for that. But like, I don't know. This just feel, felt a little little bit forced and like i get the dynamic of it of like you know of course this kid would latch on and would have this affection and like you know in this circumstance this harrowing life and death adrenaline at like the highest it would be very easy to be smitten but it just felt very flat like i didn't feel like there was any real resonance in the like touches of romance that they're trying to inject into the story here yeah, all of a sudden they've been there for a month and then you're like, oh, someone's getting lucky. And it's just so I agree. It feels quite heavy handed and just I would argue that we've seen even across three episodes, we've seen the show be much better than this and much yes. more subtle and much more. So, you know, I don't think it's unfair for us to to grade it forget everything else in, in media and pop like just against itself and what we have already seen. And it just kind of felt like okay, like more information, ironically, they're so busy not giving us like actual historical information, but this felt like just exposition dump a little bit of like, this is what's happening. And this is the reality that these people find each other in. And yeah, it's cool. The one good thing is we get the moment of like, you know, spycraft woman number one, uh, being like, search them. Okay. Yeah. To be stupid is to, is death in this circumstance. You're like, okay, she's clearly way more badass than any of you. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I guess that was a reason, but again, that just feels like a really convoluted way of getting to, to that, to that scene that we needed. uh, You know, I wonder, you know, we're, we're obviously talking about real men and, and I think there's such like importance there of like, is this part of Quinn's story, you know, um, like in the actual book, which I have not read, like, is there a recounting of this? Did, was this like a big deal for Quinn ultimately that like this lost love or this missed opportunity, or will this be a woman that he comes back to at the end to marry after he makes it impossibly through all this? I don't know, you know? And Mm -hmm. so like, I wonder about that, but I thought even just like, um, kind of like mirrored against the other romantic plot line of this episode, it just didn't work for me, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it was like barely, it was barely on the, on the radar, so to speak, to keep these, uh, you know, plain puns going. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, now, now it is time to take the pin out of where we put it. And stick it back in the grenade, so to speak. And oh God. talk about our dearly departed uh, Barry Keoghan, who we were like at the end of last episode, you know, there's a 99% chance he's probably dead. Like, you know, surviving that crash seems unlikely. But when you do an episode cliffhanger like that, you're leaving the door open for some speculation of like, maybe he's alive. Uh okay he's dead it just feels and say nothing of what we will get to spoiler alert of like other people just cut at least kurt caught like an on-screen death like there are so many characters that we've already mentioned that and in previous episodes we had you know really fallen in like with if not fallen in love with and uh not everyone made it and i just feel like i don't <sighs> I really just don't understand the choice to do some of this off screen. And I just mean that overall before we get to the specifics in the end of the episode, because like I, I, on the one hand, just to get like the very, like, I guess maybe more obvious or practical things. There's a budget thing again of like, you know, maybe they didn't have the budget to film like certain scenes, whatever. Two, there's also like, we don't want it to feel emotionally manipulative of just like, you know, killing these people but like, what do we get instead? We just get like random other people talking that these people died. And it just, I, I'm genuinely confused as to what, not what I was supposed to feel. I think what I was supposed to feel was like sadness and like, oh my God, it's horrible. These people died. And to the real life point, this is again, a microcosm of what was happening all the time. And I think that's important, but ultimately like as a narrative choice I, I was very confused by all of this yeah it's really interesting right so i think that like you know when we come to the barrack yoga and i mean he just popped off with saltburn i mean he's been around for as long as austin butler has i feel like they've both been in some high profile works but neither of them are like juggernaut actors yet right like neither one of these guys is an ethan hunt i don't know that anybody ever can be again but but i think that like you know losing him that early it feels like a real subversion you know it feels like a little bit of like a ned starking to happen so early for sure, i for saw sure. a lot of people a friend of the podcast Catherine Neen, was talking about like i'm so amazed they killed him that soon i mean part of it is like we're just tracking the story right like curtis biddick dies early in all of this and his relationship to buck egan was really tight and that 
that that kind of was important so in one sense like i really get putting one of the bigger profile people in that role i think that when we're looking at buck and bucky as like these leaders uh biddick was not uh he he was like in charge of his plane but he otherwise was just like a rank and file kind of like pilot with these guys he wasn't an officer or a major so to lose him that way and and especially like i talked about it last time but We'd seen him like land the impossible landing, right? We see him land the plane. He gets everybody down alive. There's yeah. this element again, Ariel, of like these guys, as 19, 20 year old kids that are just like effing immortal, right? Yes. They, that like he believes, no, I'm going to land the plane and I'm going to get my shot co pilot out of the plane alive and we're cool. Mm-hmm. And he clips those trees in the reality of like, oh, God. Like I'm not gonna land the plane, and and yeah. so I think that like then we get to the flip of like all the deaths that happen off screen this episode, and it's tough because like I'm I felt the same thing you're articulating of like God we just lost a lot of people off camera, and I don't care about any of them even a fraction as much as I care about Curtis Biddick right yeah. and like we get that much with this guy like I'm not like a Barry Keoghan stand here that I'm like oh yeah the actor is like sent me on the role like mm-hmm. but we got to enough with kurt for me to like feel his death and like feel the absence of it and feel when buck finds out he's gone of like oh man so i think that part of what they're trying to do like the intention of the choice is like it's more important that we are rooted with the survivors and the emotional impact on them than that we see like another harrowing shit show up in the sky of like people dying in mass right because there's going to be like a lot of that inevitably and we've already seen kind of a lot of that across three hours like like there's a point where you become desensitized to like the steel and the fire and the smoke and like it is about the people so so i get the choice but but to that point i think you're right where like i don't know man it just wasn't as resonant right like we know intellectually a bunch of people died but not seeing that i don't feel any of it you know and i already like for me emotionally i'm much more impacted by buck cleveland like losing his buddy curtis than like losing the rest of the flight on this mission i guess if that yeah I think, um, like yeah, it's like they're double dipping, and like yes, one of I was the dips is much stronger than the other. You know, I think the I think the back to back quality of both episodes, and like doing Kurt last episode, and then them this episode, even though we get the confirmation within the episode, unlike Kurt, it just feels like it would. I hate doing this, but like it would have been more emotionally resonant. For instance, one example of like many. Of like maybe this episode ends with them flying off on that final mission that they never come back from. And then next episode, whether we see it or not, then we find out. It just feels like for them to have back-to-back episodes like this. And then it's so much more impactful. Like all these final conversations that Buck and Bucky had or like it was like one long conversation across two scenes. Like would have felt more important. It just feels like they rushed this. And like now Buck is dead and Crosby's dead and all these other people, some of their names who I know are also dead. And I just feel like, yes, on the one hand, like we both keep saying, it's just like the senselessness of death and war. I feel that keenly, but also like you have to give me something. You have to give me something to like emotionally latch onto. And as far as like, it feels like so shitty to say almost, but like grounding these deaths in something that like feels like it matters. I. I don't know. It's 
it's so confusing. Um, but I, I, yeah, I totally get that. I mean, like I'm with you to like pull it off. I think that, you know, we talk so much about like the weekly release versus the binge release. Yeah. And I'm really appreciating that Apple's doing this weekly release with the mm -hmm. show. Like I'm enjoying showing up every week to it and, and knowing that it's going to be around for a couple of months. is like a really satisfying feeling about a show that I'm watching Ariel. Yeah, like, yeah, there's often this sentiment when like new stuff's coming out for me over the last couple of years where I'm like, well, for the next three weeks, I get to be excited about this thing and then it's going to be done, you know? That's it, yeah. So, so like, I appreciate that, but I do think sometimes we design for like the big cliffhanger ending, you know, like, like straight up the death of, of Biddick. I know this is like last episode and I keep going back to it, but it feels so important. And to put it at the end there, we're like, we're coming out of the episode. Like, is he even dead? Yeah. What's going on? And then you come back next week and we're right back into it. And we're dealing with like more death and more loss and more catastrophe. And there's almost no time to like linger in the sentiment of that, to like feel the impact of the loss. Yeah. And that's the greatest strength that you have in like narrative, right. And storytelling with a death. It's like the impact on your audience so in that way i feel like we're designing for these cliffhanger endings yeah. that i don't love i tend to always hate a cliffhanger for like the sake of a cliffhanger area yeah. just like all right you know i guess we'll come out of this one unsure um right we painted know. ourselves into a corner let's say how we get out of this i no, i think the starting starting where you left off is such a is such a great point because we literally start in algeria with these you know, Buck and the crew at Buck and Bucky and everybody else who survived last mission and that like crazy plan to fly all the way to Northern Africa. And they're right back where we left them. It seems like they've been there for a little while. Bucky has his cute little fez. And then <laughs> there's a, then they get rescued. And then there's like this crazy time jump that I still cannot really fathom like how much time has passed now they're talking about the fall and like they haven't really done a good job along the way of establishing time so i'll be honest i just kind of have stopped trying because if if the show is requiring a certain too much effort from me in my very like humble estimation uh, my brain is just going to be like okay this is i can't i have to move on like clearly they they don't they're not treating it as like crazy important so like i cannot like you know, uh, make this a sticking point for myself. But at the very beginning of the episode, it feels like, wow, okay, we're still in this. And then there's a time jump and it just feels like to your point, they only started the episode like that again, so that the the cliffhanger could pay off more. And then we very quickly have to move on to the next thing. And again, to a previous point I made, it just makes it all feel so rushed because it's the time jump. Then people are like celebrating. Then it's all about this, person who i think i'm supposed to know you know he's completed the this is very reminiscent of band of brothers right of like you mm -hmm. know band of brothers it was points here it's like a, a number of missions specifically 25, 25 yep. missions exactly and you know buck and bucky are both at like 20 and 21 respectively and this person is returning he's 25 and then they have this like crazy celebration party it's like, yeah, he made it, and that's cool, and, and that should be celebrated, right? Because so many people don't make it literally because they die, and they don't even get to that number, so they can't go home. And it's something worth celebrating, um, but it, it it feels a little bit like let's just create a situation where Buck and Bucky can have their final conversation and have it feel like more wistful than just them sitting on a plane.
Yeah, I feel that. I mean, I do think there's a really great element that comes out of that party where one of the newer guys, it's not just like the naked flight crew. Those right. guys trying to impress their bosses. I'm like, oh, you heard about us. Uh-huh. You're naked. Huh? That like really did crack me up. I was like, so no, man, I, I didn't hear about the underwear thing. You know, I, we didn't catch that. We just heard you're good pilots. You uh-huh. know? But the now now the, I'm rethinking it. <laughs> there's the one element where the one guy says, I think to Buck, where he's like, I don't know, man. Don't you think that like we should be a little bit like worked up about like me having this big of a celebration that one guy has completed the 25 missions? Like, like it does articulate the impossibleness of this, right? Like they're celebrating like so over the top for one guy completing the bare minimum of the requisite to like yeah. get him off the line. And right. in that element, like the you know, we talked about it, but but I think like compared to the infantry of Band of Brothers, they're paratroopers, but they're infantry, right? They're like mm-hmm. only paratrooping so they can get on the ground to be foot soldiers. Right. And then again, we're dealing with like infantry and gunnery in, in the Pacific. Like it's boots on the ground. And and the nature of that is such that there is no reprieve. We are trapped mm-hmm. with Lecky in the jungle while it rains for 20 days straight. We are trapped with the boys in Baston with the shit in their foxholes while they're freezing their feet off because the yeah. boots don't fit. But these guys are like on such a yo-yo aerial where it's like the mission. Okay. Now you got to go from Africa back to England, you know, like how long does that take (laughs) in a world without like commercial flights where you can't just like jump on a 747 and shoot back across the continent, you know? Um, And so in that way, like, I think that they're trying to present something that's just narratively more difficult for us as an audience, which are these periods of like respite and action respite and action right these peaks and valleys but i do think that like the way that they're choosing to approach it could probably be more elegant you know it could be a little more streamlined like you feel that no we got to pick up off the cliffhanger wait how long has it been and again not to like beat the horse but i think their reticence to communicate like the meta information to us Mm -hmm. with a different vehicle of like a title card narration from Crosby, whatever it could be a little bit more context would feel really powerful um, for me of like, okay, Africa, June 1st, uh, England, June 20th. You know what I mean? Like that could, that that would feel so powerful to understand. Like Buck has spent the last 20 days lingering in the emotion that we just left him with in the last scene. Right. Like I think it could convey more. I'm not asking for much. I'm a simple man. I don't even need the ice cold beer that they're asking. I'm with him. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But we do. And I agree. There are, there are, uh, moments that are interesting within the party and i think that's what makes again to the previous point of like the party is the vehicle to to give these to give these men a venue to like relay these ideas like you said the thing about like why are we even celebrating you know it's crazy we shouldn't be celebrating so many other people have died and this guy's just lucky and blah 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 and then we also get the what turns out to be i guess i'm struggling so much with like the finality of these people being dead because it just feels like a cosmic joke i can't but you know it will be buck and bucky's like last conversation at least on camera and uh you know bucky is feeling very this is very reminiscent of like how nix was feeling towards the end of band of brothers where he's kind of he's kind of a little bit falling apart he's 
he's spiraling a little bit. He's just kind of being defiant to the boss in a way that wouldn't be a good look if he were anybody else, but he's, you know, he gets some leeway and um, they have this, they have this conversation where it's like people, you know, Bucky's like, why they're talking about uh, what are essentially replacements to use the, the band of brothers parlance. And, you know, this guy asked them for advice and their advice is don't get killed. (laughs) Which like feels simultaneously really like good advice and also kind of not at all helpful. Um, I go back to like Bucky on the plane with Biddick, man. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, he's talking to that guy, like make it past 11 flights. And the guy's like, why? What happens? Well, then you beat the odds or you don't, you know, and and there's just something like I love the connection to Nixon because I think that like the winter's Nixon energy is so mirrored with Buck and Bucky. Mm -hmm. And this notion of Buck is a little bit more of like a grounded man. There's like he's not as openly as religious as what we got with like winters, but there is this element of like they can reconcile. Yeah the impossibleness of all of this, there is some place for them to like put the grief and the angst of all that, that comes with like this greater sense of, I don't know, spirituality, right. Of like their role in the world where these like little bit more wild unhinged, let's say even emotional guys Mm -hmm. in like Bucky and Nixon, they, they can't, they can't like reconcile it. They don't have this like clean, noble place to like compartmentalize that all away. And it gets really muddied and mired, you know, and Bucky, like with Biddick on the plane of like, I don't feel anything, man. Like hit me. I just want to, I got to feel something here. Punch you me know? In the face. <laughs> but like, as he's talking to that guy, you feel that like he evokes that same kind of element of like, I wish that I cared more that you're probably going to die. And like, you probably are. So like make it past 11 flights. And then I don't know, we'll talk again. You know? Like oh, it's yeah. so morbid and tragic and heartless, but at the same time, like he's trying to protect himself emotionally, right? Like how much, how much grief can you bear when you, you have this absolutely impossible job that you're responsible for. Yeah. That's good. That like all these other lives are responsible for you doing your job. Right. You know, yeah. like the, the layers of it, that much is like really working for me with masters of air Ariel, like this dynamic of like having to sit with all of this. Like, I'm yeah. not sure how long it's been, but I do know that these two guys come back to this base having been like mired in like weeks of uncertainty yeah. and doubt and regret and grief. Right. And the way that that like tangles itself up into like a rage, anger, mm-hmm. uh, like yeah, all these different ways, yeah. manifestations. That's interesting, at least to me. Yeah. And like the way in which people, like you're saying, react differently to things and also uh, just are either there for each other or not there for each other in this situation. And like what, you know, he's basically saying uh, that people, you know, they're not going to remember us just like we don't remember them if they die. And Buck's like, what, why does it matter? Like, what are you actually saying? Like, what, why are you feeling this way? Um, and then, you know, this is when, when their boss comes around and, and Buck's like calls or Bucky is like, oh, you're, what's the word? It's, it's something like trigger happy, but it's not, it's flack, flack happy. I think is what the term they use. Uh, and then Bucky's like, no, you're flack happy. And the boss is like confused for a second. He's like, no, you, he's like, no, no, I'm talking about you. (laughs) (laughs) like so awkward that of course the boss is like okay bucky must be kidding 
uh, or at least he's doing the, you know, like the social grace thing of like just moving on from the moment. Um, and then, and this is when Buck is like, okay, clearly you need a vacation. Now this is like a little bit of opposite Nick's and Winters where Nick's was telling Winters, like, you need to go on vacation. You need to get to Paris, uh, in this case, London. And it's, it's sad because now, because Buck is like trying to look after Bucky, obviously, because he cares about him. But now Bucky isn't going to be around to go on this mission to potentially help Buck. And like, of course, that's going to wear on Bucky's uh, guilt and conscience and all that. Uh, you know, I will say I, this is, this is like such a selfish thing on my end. And I, other people would probably argue like we, we don't want it to be so heavy handed, but like, and this is very realistic, right? Like you can't control your last conversation is your last conversation. But like, I kind of would have wanted more to be honest, just like a little bit more, just something. I don't know. I don't need them to cry, but I would want to cry. I'm selfish though. Yeah, I get it. I mean, we'll see. We get the last little stinger of like what happened with the game. You know what I mean? Like that whole little bit of like <laughs> that bit of like code talk. I mean, I love that kind of stuff. I love the real granular elements that yes. we're able to like bring forward. And yeah, the, it's like clearly context. very researched. It's great, you know, and like it makes sense. It tracks like kind of what we're thinking of at the time. So I'm I, I'm more curious to see where we go with this as we roll into episode five but i feel you there like where it's a little underwhelming and there's the element of like well is there was that intentional you know are we trying to articulate the point that you're making which is that in life shit's not clean you know yeah. we don't get to always have like these noble heartfelt goodbyes sometimes it's a really like ignominious okay i'll see you later and that's mm -hmm. like what you're left with and it's yeah. it's crushing right and can weigh on you for like like the, you're the entirety of your life if you don't like pursue therapy to unpack all that. Like I'm not talking firsthand. I swear. Right. Um, but, but like, <laughs> but, you know, like I, I'm with you there where like, you know, even if they're intentionally trying to evoke that sentiment of how kind of underwhelming it can be and how frustrating that must be for Bucky, um, it, it's a little underwhelming, right? Yeah. We're in this big, like giant heroic TV show, like amidst the, but maybe like i'm like throwing all these darts we're, we're picking some holes this weekend yeah but amongst the things that like really worked for me one of my big takeaways of episode four is that masters of air is pretty good at getting me really hyped over like the simplest of bullshit like our boy sergeant ken lemons riding the wheel to fix the engine yes. on taxi this was like a gigantic heroic moment ariel the music is like soaring i'm feeling it i felt like so oh yeah he jumps off the wheel he rolls away gets in the jeep like it felt awesome and big and heroic for such a small thing and yeah. so i think in that way where we have like ostensibly the final conversation between our two leads and it's underwhelming yeah. that's not what you want for right. like the big heroic noble action show you know yeah i didn't know that batman was alive and well in the 40s <laughs> but you know i've been wrong before so here we are uh i agree it's an incredible scene it's an incredible moment that feels well earned and like we have gotten the little bits from from lemons that we've gotten this completely matches that like this is very much the same person who we know who is all of 19 probably older at this point not that i would know because of the time stuff uh <laughs> let's say he's 20 maybe and but still very young and like clearly the best at what he does and buck just 
trust him implicitly like if if he says he's going to do something and that he's capable of it then let's give him the chance to do it and he says he's going to do it and of course he pulls it off and it's insane and like i would i be able to put myself in the the wheel of a plane probably not and this is you know why i don't do that but uh it's i agree it's a great great moment with like the music swelling and it just feels like such a triumphant piece and moment for buck which i guess is to your point a little bit like part of the uh subversion of what we're expecting because ultimately that's the high and then the low will occur off camera now (laughs) it's just it's like one of these things that i i'm I'm sure you've heard me say this a lot ariel because like i try to be pretty forthright but like i'm a pretty basic viewer in a lot of ways like you can pander to me and i'm okay with that you just have to do it well like if you pander to me well i will hype you until the end of time you know (laughs) what i mean and so in that way like i watched the scene it was like gosh this is so overt and kind of like just so over the top the music and like it's this little bow but it was supposed to feel like so hype for it but it got me like despite like being fully intellectually aware of the way that i was being manipulated by the storytellers in the moment i was like so willing ready and able to like go with them and be like absolutely elated that Mm -hmm. don lemons gets this thing up off the ground you know they get that fourth edge going and it's like awesome and so i feel you where then like you get to an end that's frustrating and a little underwhelming and feels like a little undercooked and is not as gigantic and i think like one of the guiding lights in my reading here ariel like tom hanks big notes to a lot of these guys is like don't be overtly sincere don't be too over the top don't be too like saccharine in your delivery like you have to remember that even though we're like looking back at these guys as like these great war heroes these kids weren't walking around like they were great war heroes right they were a bunch of like dumb kids and it's part of what uh even kyogen talked about in like that final scene with biddick that like they had to rise to the occasion Mm -hmm. but fundamentally they're like these young naive kids right yeah. often 19 20 21 years old and faced with the reality of that they're like very raw and emotional and so i don't know i get not wanting to make it like too over the top but i'm with you ariel like i want it to, i want to cry i'm watching the show it's to cry. cry i have a very yes. low i have a very low barrier to entry and most me too just make me cry <laughs> and then like i'm basically all in or at least I'm willing to give you uh, more rope, so to speak, more and more leeway. Um, Yeah. And then we get, uh, I guess, the last piece of it, which I think actually was kind of interesting. You know, there's a way in which, and we had already talked about this previously, but I think in this episode, it's very obvious that they are trying to incorporate more female characters in a way that feels organic and i would say that they are in this episode especially pretty successful like we also have uh helen who meets this guy nash who ultimately perishes in the same mission that all our other favorite characters some of uh favorite characters also perish but we get the you know the spy craft we got spy lady one and then spy lady two minone i believe her name is then we have helen and then we have bucky's love interest for a night and a half uh that he meets in london the the i call her the polish yelena yelena from yes. the, the accent 
um, a really interesting and like real character, like uh, somebody who feels lived in and and has a history and has like motivations that you understand or at least understand parts of. And this is kind of uh, this is what if Nick's and Band of Brothers needed like his particular brand of alcohol. Uh, this is a way for for Bucky to kind of like get out of his funk. This this woman, this Polish woman. Yeah, I'm with you. I loved her. She, what like uh, an awesome job with a small role. Um, like shades of like Doc Row and the Doc Row episode of like mm -hmm. the nurse in the church. Yeah. Uh, like the, in terms of like a female character that really felt like she belonged and fit and owned the space so well, and like just brought a a very well-needed like feminine energy and perspective in how do you know how do you know that a man's a pilot ariel you wait for him to tell you it's like how do you know a man's a podcaster you know you wait they'll tell you they'll tell you you know it's it just like it, she felt very real and part of what i'm loving is um the way we're not like whitewashing the characters you know what i mean yes. in the same way that like you know when we look at a guy like major winters i mean he's been so lionized historically and and written about many times and the men of easy like elevated him so much like he's a pretty in, unimpeachable unimpunable figure you know when we review band but i think that as you're looking at a guy like bucky like yeah there's some warts there right it's not like the labat 69 but it's that same energy of like the the self-destructive behaviors you know he's got the girl at home but here he is doing the thing and even the woman that's like married this notion of them like finding solace in each other for the moment mm -hmm. the implication that like it's not about anything more than like this night together yeah. as the city's being bombed the bombing of the city really struck me ariel just yes. uh, my grandmother like was very much the other side coming out of italy um, where she was there during like the bombings that were happening in naples and mm -hmm. obviously those were like allied bombers that right. were bombing um her in her home and like talking about having to go down to the shelter and her grandmother was like 90 something and couldn't make it and her dad would stay in the third floor of the building with his mother and they would all have to go down to the bomb oh, shelter and come back every time and they would never know in the morning like oh. the elements of all of that like yeah. kind of weighed in on me for like this kind of meta perspective that's outside the show but right. i did really love the characterization of the polish woman and and bucky like i thought to your point, it felt very real. She seemed like a very authentic character and, and their uh, like dalliance felt mm. very real in yeah. terms of like the context of what we're exploring with these people. Um, and then when it came to like Helen and the loss of Helen, I thought that like for whatever it's worth, that was the most effective part of of like their choice to do this kind of like off-screen loss. Yes. Yeah. Like Helen is somebody... Agree. I'm like, I have no idea who Helen is, right, Ariel? Like, we saw her a couple of times this episode. She sees the guy. They have the goodbye. Okay, I'll see you in a little bit, you know? Then he doesn't come back. And, like, I don't know who Helen is. I don't really even know who her husband is. But, like, I was moved by that. I'm, I'm touched by that. I feel Helen's grief. Yeah. And, like, it, it's a good umbrella for the totality of the loss, I guess. Yeah. No, I think that that's a good point of, like, Helen kind of being a stand-in for some of the emotional stuff that I'm craving with these off-screen deaths. And like, at least there, and I would argue that's probably the show doing that intentionally, obviously of like giving us a 
a specific thing to mourn besides just the very real and awful, horrible loss of life, but just like what, who, who remains. And especially somebody who isn't in the military, who isn't like, uh, you know, kind of steeled to, to understand and withstand that kind of loss, unfortunately, because it's happening all the time. And this, you know, civilian Helen, who's, who's putting herself in, in some amount of danger, you know, volunteering with a lot of other people and, and feeding and giving out supplies and all these like really, really selfless things. And then opening herself up to this person and then kind of being flippant when he's like, Oh, you might be the the last pretty face I ever see. And she's like, whatever, don't say that. Like, I'll see you in a few hours. And that was it. Like that was there to our, to our point about like the final conversation between Buck and Bucky, this is their conversation. And this feels like way more tragically mundane of a conversation than than uh than buck and bucky does in a way of just like feeling more real and again feeling like the loss for her i think she's her face like the face on the guy who has to tell her before she even finds out and then her face in finding out the information it's it's awful. And it was really, it was really good. I'm glad the show like took the time in an episode that wasn't really that long, honestly, uh, mm-hmm. to, to give us, to give us that. I think the most, and I think the most important or one of the most interesting parts for me of the, uh, the Polish woman story, and then to go back to that for a second was like Bucky's reaction to her, like the way mm-hmm. his eyes would widen when she was like saying certain things or like she was clearly, uh, seemingly in my estimation for that time period, at least like very, uh, uh, what is it like sexually empowered, I guess is like a way to put it. And like, he is enjoying it. And he's like, I'm going to spend when she's leaving at the end, she's, he's like, I'm going to spend the day drinking and having fun. And I would like you to be there with me. <laughs> she's like, listen, I would love to do that, but I, you know, I have to get back to real life. And she had her fun. It wasn't like one of these situations where we've seen in the past of like the woman feeling some kind of uh, responsibility to the man because of the war that he's been through of like helping him feel better. It really was like, oh, no, we that's are a equal great footing. point. That's a really great point. I mean, to the like her being like well realized and well written, she is super liberated and empowered and has uh, authority and autonomy. And as much as like we're talking about the inclusion of female perspectives in this show, I mean, it's the bare minimum, but I don't know that any of them are like anywhere near passing a Bechdel test at this point. Right. And, and the reality is that like this is a really empowered female character in a context where like it would be so easy to give her none of those attributes yeah. right yeah. and like it wouldn't even necessarily be egregious to like not give her those attributes like right. we wouldn't we don't necessarily yeah. expect that and we wouldn't necessarily fault them for like not including that but i think they do a really great job giving us like an empowered woman here who's got her who has her own needs yeah that is looking for him to fulfill for her right right? and it's not just about this like oh man hero soldier like let me serve you bullshit right Right, so i'm with you yes i hope she's i hope she's okay i hope she's clearly much better than than bucky because he's gonna get you know he goes on his little newspaper run i actually the first time i watched it he's like can he's the line is can i get a paper or where can i get a paper and i heard him say where can i get a vape i was like what bucky you're vaping now 
this is crazy. Um, but he gets, a, you know, he sees the paper, the headline about the the mission to Bremen gone bad and a lot of people being lost. And of course, he's immediately worried about his BFF buck and he makes the call. And this is where we get the, you know, was the how was the game yesterday? Well, the starting lineup didn't do so well. Was Buck on the starting lineup? Yes. Didn't make it you know, tell coach I'm going to be back by tomorrow for the, you know, for whatever game is on tomorrow. I'm like, they're dead. They're dead. So Crosby and Buck, they're just dead. I am. I will never forget the feeling that I had, like listening to these lines and you have like these, again, for the most part, like no name people who are their superiors being like, Oh God, we lost so-and-so. And also, these people oh my god crosby no not buck i'm like oh god no please tell me this isn't just it and it seems like it is and like maybe that's part of the reason that the voiceover that we've been getting is uh who is it's uh what's his name it's bucky in some parts and it's i mean it was crosby at one point but it seemed like in this part it was mostly bucky and he's just gonna carry the voiceover torch now because there aren't that many people left unfortunately Who'd have guessed they would kill their butler and their Kyogen? <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll see, wow. I guess. You know, I, I to the extent that, like, you know, last week I talked about, like, Austin Butler sold me, like, the buck, the bucking thing. Like, he got me. But at last time, the, like, whole, no, we're going to take it. We're going to stand here. We're going to take yeah. it, Ariel. Um, so, and like, now we know why. Now we know why he pushed so hard in that moment because that was it. That was so, it. in that way, I'm a little bit like, all right, man. All right, like you guys did hook me in on a couple of these characters three episodes in. I mean, real talk, we're coming into episode five next week. That's halfway through, right? Um, yeah. And by halfway through Band of Brothers, my God, I'm like so invested in so many of those guys, right? right. Um, so we'll see, I think. Like I'm really eager to see what next week does because I do have this sort of like litmus test in my head of like, okay, halfway into this series, am I like really emotionally impacted by this? I do I feel like this is the kind of series that will linger with me across the decades in the way that a band of brothers has, you know? So yes. I'm curious to see what they're going to do next week as we got to pick back up with Bucky after learning this uh, horrible revelation. Yeah. It's been the way he like slams the phone. He's like, I'm coming and slam the phone and the episode ends. And it's like, next time I'm like, wait, what? That's it. I'm, this is crazy. Uh, I always forget his name, but it's Callum Turner who plays who plays Bucky. Um, so I guess he's the real star of the show. We'll see. I mean, for me, similar to you, but probably a little bit more severely. Uh, I don't take pleasure in saying this, but like it's a big litmus test for me in the sense of like, please don't lose me. Like for the season, I would really like for them to to get back to what they've been doing, even like the inexplicable off camera deaths aside, like that's something as much as I've been harping on it, this episode, I, it's something that I can get past. I just need them to do something. I need, well, I need them to, to hook me back in, in an organic way. And I'm hoping I'm hopeful. It's still, you know, five, five, six, seven, eight, nine to five episodes left, whatever. So we'll, We'll see. I'm I'm hopeful and like any mission that they undertake, there could be it could be successful. So we'll have to see. 
it sure could. Uh, it's a real like throw of the dice. I mean, the one thing, um, just again, like the history of all it, they got called the bloody hundredth. Mm-hmm. And part of it is because not their total amount of casualties over the war, but how quickly they lost an incredible amount of people. Like, I think there is the stat that they throw out somewhere yeah. in the episode where they're like, we're the only ones left. I think it's during the party where they're like, of those 35 planes that we saw flying in in episode one to land that yeah. are coming over to Europe, there's like, you know, seven of them left. They've lost 28. Like, it's a staggering amount of loss that really, like, kind of dwarfs even what we see for, for a group like Easy Company. And so in that way, like, I guess it's natural that we're going to feel that that turnover amongst yeah. the cast. But I'm with you. We're like, don't lose me, you guys. <laughs> like, I really... They haven't completely lost me. And they're still no, me either. Um, I want to, like, show up next week, though, and be, like, really hyped about specific characters that mm-hmm. i'm invested in like that's what's missing to me most the overall vibes for masters of air are like working but i just am not as rooting for individuals as i yes. want to be i'm not as connected with the characters as i want to be yeah and to the extent that this is a board clearing episode whether we're talking about the time jump or just the literal loss of characters and horribleness um Hope that could all be for a specific reason and like towards a specific payoff. And I just hope that it, uh, that it feels that way. So we'll, we'll have to see. We'll be back next week. Of course, with that coverage of episode five, really called part five. I don't want to get that wrong. Um, but until then, uh, Rich, what else have you got going on? Oh, gosh, not that much. You can go catch me over twitch.tv slash Philly, YouTube of the same name to catch all the D&D that I'm doing, any kind of role-playing VODs. Uh, Halo is getting ready to come back for season two. I'm going to be talking about that with the great Corey B every week. Uh, at DM Philly over on Twitter. Go hit me up. Follow me there. You keep up with everything I am doing. Hell yeah. I am also on Twitter at that other Ariel covering movies every week with grace on the network bush recaps theater we covered argyle this week you know talk about we just spent some time talking about like a spy mission in this episode of masters of the air and argyle is a whole lot of spy craft and it is extremely convoluted and confusing and also kind of fun and kind of bad and kind of good, but also bad. Anyway, I got very excited not to totally segue off, but about Please. the fact that our boy, Austin Butler, he may have uh, died in the air, but we're going to see him fighting in the sand pretty soon. Ariel. It's like <laughs> June part two right. is coming. Super and I am so excited. <laughs> I'm so psyched to see him reprise the role of the great sting. as I'm really excited. Yeah, I can't be I couldn't really be any more excited for Dune 2. And like the one of the re, I've had opportunities to see that original Dune movie, the one with uh David uh, Lynch. Yeah. And I just feel like my only hesitation has been I don't want that movie to ruin some of the stuff that we're gonna get in this Dune 2 movie, because from my understanding, that original that other Dune movie, like covers more of the book than June part one did. Yes. So I'm it like, does. maybe I should hold off. You should wait after. Uh, I realize we're doing a whole separate podcast in the outro, but um, <laughs> the reality is I absolutely unironically love that movie. There's a scene okay. of Patrick Stewart charging into battle with a blaster in one hand and a pug tucked under his arm, a little wrinkle-faced dog, uh-huh. Ariel, a pug, as he leads an <laughs> army of troops down a mountain. <laughs> Charge! It's It's... 
it's batshit. It is amazing. You okay. should not watch it until you've after seen okay. it. Okay, so I'm making the right yeah. call. That makes yeah. me feel good. Yeah. Um, but yes, we will we you know we'll definitely be covering that, maybe with a a guest uh, who might be sitting around me. Uh but you know, it's gonna be a few weeks till we cover that. But um, and I'm also covering Six Feet Under with Dr. Amanda. That's been really fun to revisit a different early 2000s property. And we are almost halfway through season two. So look out for that as well. Um, and that's it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. Again, we'll be back next week with Master of the Air Part 5. Until then, bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.